We recording? Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes we achieve outstanding pairings, and other times we give ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your hosts. I'm Dave Gurney. I am here with Joe Hilliard and Carlos Cooper. And we are so happy you've joined us uh, because we just want you to have a really nice, light, relaxing, easygoing week. And so we've picked a couple real delightful little uh, bonbons of films to to just pop in our mouths later. And we'll we'll get to that soon enough. But before we even talk any more about film, I want that second part of this uh, podcast to come true. To come true, right. So... Glass is uh, moistened. Right now, we Great are cracking open these cans of a beer <laughs> called Brewer's Gonna Work It Out. That I thought this was an IPA for some reason, and that freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> a black IPA. Not an IPA. No, the style on this one, right on the can, pastry-style mm-hmm. dark ale. Okay. Um, this is Different. from a... It's a collaboration, actually, between Shoe Brew and Four City Brewing Company, uh, it was done as part of a Fresh Fest beer fest that, that took place at, at some point in 2020. Um, but I know at least Four City is out of Orange, New Jersey. And they, they also offer on the can that it's a dark ale brewed with lactose. I guess that's where they get some of the pastry. There's like a you know milkiness to it. So I'm going to get some of this into my, my glass. It's 9%. You guys... Uh, Shoe brews out of Pennsylvania. Okay. So Pennsylvania, New Jersey, close neighbors. Yeah, I did a little research because the can intrigued me. Looks like two, it's a collaboration, right? Brewers going to work it out. Was there some kind of beef or something between these brewers that they needed to work something out? Uh The festival that these were brewed for was a collaborative festival that was, it's all black-owned breweries. So these are collabs that were made specifically for this festival and then um, a well-known beer delivery service worked with that festival to make sure that they could kind of get around the world, you know, nice. the country in, in the days of COVID. So this actually has a pretty interesting history behind it. It does. Um, and the, the can art is, uh, you know, evoking uh, public enemy, right? And uh, the, um, you know, Flava Flav, right, with the clock there. The, uh, the oh, hold on. So it doesn't say all this on the can, but this is a dark wheat ale. Yeah. Okay. Brewed with cacao nibs, vanilla, lactose, and Oreos. Mm-hmm. Think mm-hmm. mocha cookie crumble frappuccino in liquid form. Ah, like an Oreo dipped in iced coffee. Interesting. Very interesting. I can't wait to taste it. Oh, well, Joe, there is nothing stopping you. I'm just watching David frantically work his machine <laughs> over there. What's he looking up, I wonder? I don't know. What's he going to come with a... What's he going to say? <laughs> well, I, th- I thought it was in reference to something. I wanna, Okay, yes. The, the Public Enemy song, Brother's Going to Work It Out. And I was second-guessing myself. Brewer's Going to Work It Out. There I was second-guessing myself on the song title. Yeah. And I was thinking, I don't want to say it if I'm totally off. But no, the, the track, Brother's Going to Work It Out from Fear of a Black Planet, 1990. Yeah. It's definitely a straight-up Public Enemy quote that, that's going on with this, uh, this beer its name and the can art so you don't want to say something wrong and have to correct yourself like how last week i said that promising young woman was directed by bo burnham did you say it on the podcast or was that in after hours uh i i don't remember but yes i do remember i think i think i think it was in the chat or after we recorded i do i do remember that now he was he's in the film he's in the the movie and so happy to see that so spoiler alert that's that's what we're talking about yeah that's the movie we watched i must have seen an article 
pinning Bo Burnham with right, the movie right. and knowing that he had directed Eighth Grade, a movie with similar ish themes. He, uh, I thought maybe this might have been his next film. It was not. He just appears as Ryan in the film, the doctor with the heart of gold. Yeah. He's very <laughs> or tall. He's does he? Yeah. He's an interesting, yeah. he's an interesting fellow. I, I, although I do have to say that I, I really enjoy having been with him for literally his entire career like i remember him as a youtube you were watching star. him on youtube yeah yeah like i, I was, remember hearing about that i i never watched his I, videos I, I was of the age where that kind of stuff was like really funny sure. to us yeah. and uh like that's what he was doing like musical comedy stuff on funny songs in his bedroom. like yeah. uh my whole family thinks i'm gay was like a big one where he talks about like his whole family thinking that he's gay and like, why would they think that? It's, Not that there's you know, anything wrong with it, but and, why would they think it? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if he goes that far, but he's just like, why do they think this? You know, whatever. And then, but as the song goes on, like discovering he, it, he himself, reveals many things and that would like, point oh, yeah. to him. Yeah. And then he, yeah. at the end he's like, Oh, maybe, you know, without saying it, but like oh, my introduction was the country song bit that he did on some, yeah. Uh, oh, right. such a good bit. Yeah. It's great. Part, bit. Such a his, great, uh, look it up. maybe we'll post one it of his standup specials. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, so I, I remember the YouTube days and then I remember seeing him getting into standup and being like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. Like his YouTube videos in standup form. And then I, I thought that like proper standup he did was pretty decent. And then yeah, seeing him be in things and then direct things and um, and now starring. It. What could have very easily just been a flash in the pan had some good YouTube videos. Now I've disappeared and into obscurity. He, but his he's is, ma- managed to keep going. To you know? Yeah, and, and he's him, shown you know? himself to be a multifaceted. He is uh, uh, content creator. Um, but maybe we should. Can I get, describe the film? Yeah, I was going to say maybe we should get a little synopsis and, going. And, and by describing the film, I'm just going to describe the very first scene of the film, and that is that we see a group of yuppie, you know, assholes in a interestingly bar. cast too. By the way, right? Sure, <laughs> Adam Brody and Adam Sam Brody. Richardson, mm. like who is by all accounts like one of probably the nicest people. Well, it if seems. you and if you watch Veep, uh, you know. Yeah, t- totally different. He he's capable of coming across <laughs> as very naive and and gentle kind of character. He does not come across in this no, film that he way. Does no, he not. Uh, they're at a bar celebrating some kind of work victory, kind of locker room talking a little bit about some of the girls that they work with. When they what, when one of them spots across the way a very inebriated girl on a banquet, kind of defenseless, if you will, just sitting there drunk. Mostly asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lolling off, falling yeah. over, sitting back up, and they have a gross conversation about how ooh, how easy that would be. And Adam Brody is the one that says, let me give it a try. Uh, he, he, posing as a nice guy, he takes her home and then immediately, of course, pours her a very stiff drink and attempts to then assault her in some way, to which she reveals that she is sober he begins to stammer and realize that he's been caught doing something right. illegal and very inappropriate. Cut to her opening a notebook, making a tick mark where there are many, many tick marks, mm-hmm. and writing his name into that book. <laughs> Promising young woman in a retro cool title card. Mm. And then we have to kind of unspool and learn what she's doing, why she's doing, what the motivation is, and what is she doing to these guys exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there are different color, like, notations in yeah. there. They're, 
like the like lines, your name was in red. My, yeah, yes, my name was in red. Oh, we'll talk about I don't names. Know, I don't know what I did, um, but I know what you did last summer. But it, it, well, yeah, that's different though. Okay. Um, and yeah, different kind of revenge. <laughs> different kind, yeah. Um, it's interesting because you kind of like feel like you know certain things, but then at least for me, I was afraid to really um, like assume anything, you know, yeah. like I felt like I kind of pieced like, you know, spoiler alert, like she has this friend and something happened to the friend, but right. like we don't see the friend. And While pretty, they were in med school, important. Yeah. And pretty early on, I'm like, okay, so the friend killed herself, right? Like for sure. But mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I shouldn't assume that maybe she's going to show up and she's like, you know, institutionalized right. or maybe she's like, you know, just like, uh, almost like in a vegetative state of right. just like not being able to leave her house or like, you know, there's going to be something revealed. I think this is it, but I'm not sure. I ended up being like, you know, I ended up being right in my assumption, but, but yeah, it's interesting because you're piecing things together as you go. Yeah. Uh, she works at this coffee shop and then we find out when Bo Burnham shows up, Ryan, that, uh, you know, she used to be in med school. They were, med- they were in med school together. Yeah, and I guess I guess we shouldn't we should try to avoid getting too bogged down in just plot points. I feel because you know what this movie is about is about like you know patriarchal constructs uh, as they pertain to rape culture and the idea that um, young men accused of these things are often you know let off or not punished adequately or not held accountable because oh well they have such a promising career like Brock Turner and it's being, often a he said she said situation yeah that well would, uh, in some cases not in this one not in this <laughs> but one. um like you know the Brock Turner case being like probably the most mm-hmm. high profile of all of these like oh this guy is such a great swimmer and like yeah. we should let him keep swimming and not ruin his future despite the fucking committing a crime terrible yeah. not just right. a crime I mean like a yeah, fucking the worst thing you monstrous act yeah. yeah sure in in the most like monstrous way possible with it, witnesses with wit- I mean yeah I mean the, there was zero ambiguity yeah. in the case and like horrible um and obviously the name of the film is a twist on like that excuse that is made like oh he's such a promising young man well she was a promising young woman in this situation yeah. both of them were and like the way that this affects not this way that this can ripple effect into like not just the person who is the direct victim of it, but also like their lives right. and stuff. I, think um, I know everybody's been dying to hear the three of us men discuss sure. this issue. <laughs> I think a few plot points are important though. It turns out that her friend Nina was sexually assaulted in a gang style um, with a, I think it was just well, the one guy, but there were well, a bunch it's of not people clear. watching. He's in a group situation, group and situation there's a video a party, of it, and yeah. it, they never totally reveal right. nor describe. But the social system, the justice system, fail Nina. Yeah. Well, it never ultimate, makes it to the justice system, does it? Well, I'm just because saying, it though, never makes it out like of the, the, the well, No, the, but the, the, the administration. The, the administration DM of the school. Is, yeah. uh, she commits suicide, and Cassie, our protagonist here, leaves school right to cope with the situation the way she's coping with it is to get into these situations over and over and over again where her motive i suppose is to teach men one at a time that their behavior is incorrect right because she doesn't i thought that the trailer even leads that she's killing these men or torturing right. these men but that's right. not what's happening They're well the only time lesson, we see yeah and she the, the full night or the, i'm sorry the the close to the night 
is a little bit later in the film. Like Joe described the opening sequence. The opening sequence cuts off where Adam Brody, that character, whatever left to guess, is made aware that that Mm -hmm. she's not intoxicated and so we know okay oh, yeah. the jig when, is up when you hear her it, voice right and, his, and his eyes get wide but that's it we don't know like does she then kill him is she burying the body we don't know we don't know yeah but then later a little bit later we see uh jared mince platz is yeah. that the guy's Chris. name McLovin. christmas christopher mince platz uh who played mclovin in the the uh God, super bad so, film so weird seeing which him it in is any he, other context especially yeah. in this context but with facial hair like what are you doing it's it's frustrating <laughs> he has like a you know kind of a baby face and he's trying to cover it with facial hair but that yeah no it, it, i agree that seeing him is a, a little bit uncanny anyway but watching him try to be suave yes I think right that, that's part watching him in that kind of scene especially was very but yeah. it's good because actually you should be uncomfortable it yeah. shouldn't feel like at all like if it was brad pitt we wouldn't feel quite as put off by him probably yeah, I don't know. so right. very suspicious of brad but pitt. anyhow we see how that night ends and that night ends with her yes revealing that she's not intoxicated and telling him you know, you're lucky that I'm letting you off this way. You right. know, like you have to realize what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. And, you know, other people like me are out there. Yeah. And if you're not careful, they're going to take it out even harder. You know, so so to me, at least that signaled that she's probably not killing. But it's never confirmed. And like Carlos said, you have different colored pens writing these names down. Does she sometimes torture them more? Does she do something else? I don't I know. Think, I, don't, I don't think she physically harms them. Okay. Um, even though it's not explicitly stated, I think it's fairly sign- strongly suggested. I think, I think what she's more interested in is shaming them and leaving them with having to like continue their lives with the realization of the kind of people that they really are versus right. the kind well, of people they thought they were. And also never to do that again because what if it's another one of these fakers that came up to my Who place? I'm not positive really exists. No, um, no. She claims it. She claims, yeah. yeah. I think that I would suspect that the varying colors of the denotation has more to do with their behavior in the whether situation. Whether they kept pushing or whether they... Or whether afterwards, because she asked Christopher Mintz Boss's character, Neil, like, do you still want to fuck me? And he says, no. Yeah. And the red might be people that are like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. You yeah, know, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or how far they actually go mm-hmm. before she gets around to stopping that. I mean, I think it's something like that. I don't yeah. think it has anything to do with her harming them. But um, this movie is very good. I... It's not amazing, but like I was fucking captivated. I was super and fucking emotionally invested. And god damn it, if there wasn't a time in this movie where I looked at Kylie and I said, Something is fucked up about Bo Burnham, and I'm gonna be so sad when we find out what it is. <laughs> Cause she come you know, she comes around and she's yeah, like re, yeah. re- there, there there is a we, we meet her in the first act as someone who's not capable of being in a romantic relationship right. with or a man. Really capable of doing anything. And then really. Bo Burnham comes in and charms her and is on screen in this role a super nice guy. He's an comes eligible bachelor. Yeah. He's he's yeah. he's you know. Um the the right there red flag because if you're a few years out of med school making a decent living, you're a pediatric surgeon uh-huh. and you haven't landed a, a mate of some sort, you're probably <laughs> well, not, not interested in mating. Very, let's not oh, I see what you're saying. Over, overgeneralize there. I mean, you could, <laughs> you know. You could be a swinging free bachelor doctor. Not even just that. Well, you but could, he's, no, but I'm saying, on TV. he's obviously very interested in partnering up with her. 
But well, there's the fa- an indication yeah. that he ha- he was pining for her in med school. I mean, I, I got well, that. There was not an indication. He says that. Yeah, yeah. so when they yeah. connect again at the coffee shop that she works right. at and with some very odd mm. um, meat cute. Uh, oh, it's really funny. She spits in his coffee. him spitting in the coffee that he then drinks, which Aaron, at that point, was almost, I think, ready to shut it off because she's like, I don't need to see that. She I, spit I, in his I, coffee. I like that. I thought that was cute. Yeah. I thought, I thought, no, I, 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 I thought that I'm glad out. I married Aaron because she found it disgusting. <laughs> I found it disgusting. <laughs> I think we're yeah. on the same page with, yeah, anybody spits in my drink, they're off my list of potential yeah. dating partners. <laughs> but he And he I tells never her go to. back to the but coffee the, the shop. But he tells her I know, to. But the, if, I, if she did it, and hands it off to me. Well, okay. And I think it, worse, I, worse is him drinking it. Worse is if I gross. were her, I would never date him. Okay, sure. I, but I but think they're, they're going to tongue kiss eventually. Eventually, if they're yeah. Dating, they're, you're yeah, swap you know, the I've tongue anyway. kissed my wife many times. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad I to hear that. I <laughs> never once have had her spit in a drink that I've drank. So, well, but uh, I, I, I don't. I, I think the way that dare to drink, I'm man. sure. I'm sure I've had uh, servers <laughs> do that to me before. But I, then I'm unaware. Yeah, you know right, what I mean? They do it in the back room. I'm not going to get hung up in my defense. Anyway, yeah. okay, I want to say David this. feels very strongly about him. I will allow him to continue this. <laughs> Bo Burnham's Ryan reintroduces her to the connection of those events. And now the guy, oh, by the way, remember Al, the, the guy that did this to her friend, he's right. getting married, et cetera, et cetera, which reopens something that she was trying to close and move on from. And then the intricate comparison technological step-by-step-by-step revenge fantasy begins to play out where the goal is to really let this guy know what he did wrong. Actually, I take that back there. We did get into the criminal justice portion. It does It does leave the ranks of the school because there's the lawyer oh, that digs right. up, played by Alfred Molina. Great to see him, I yeah. gotta say. Love and and who's very contrite and, and ha- you know actually is one of the few who a few redeeming characters well who who's tortured by it and, and who yeah. is and who, and who knows he's guilty mm-hmm. and is sort of yeah it was part of a system he went into notions about how uh, in the old days we had to dig through people's trash yeah. and now, now the internet going, yeah. just makes it so easy for us to I see. I see. To to, mor- to morally to make the jury believe morally questionable things about the right. female victim if she ever appeared drunk on it in a picture right. or a photo and 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 I would without doing research on it I imagine that is a real thing. One hundred percent. I mean, it happens all the, it happens yeah. all the time. I mean, and that's one of the things that this movie is pointing out is that in order for a victim of this type of crime to be sympathized with by a jury in the way that like our society currently like views these events is to be absolutely morally angelic above any kind of screw. I mean like squeaky clean has never left their house before. I mean, basically you would have to never leave your house to be as morally. That's the only kind of person that could justify that this is an actual sexual assault. Otherwise she was asking for it and they, and they go through all of the lines. She was asking for it. She was dressed inappropriately. She was drunk and, 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 allowed her defenses to be down and parts of this revenge thing is to go uh, in part uh, one of the pieces is to go to the school administrator and confront her well but no and not just that i mean like look she goes through every single person that she like knows is was in any way like involved or complicit or even willing to overlook it and Look, this is like something that we all know happens and that has been happening for forever. I mean, just look at literally any member of the Republican Party that has that has taken 
like that has like changed their thoughts on a particular subject is like John McCain, for instance, like it would fucking LGBTQ issues only seemed to matter to him once he had somebody oh, yeah. in his life that was right that identified that way. And until then he was like, fuck you guys. That's I true. don't give a fuck about you. You shouldn't have the rights until of, it happens uh, to until you. Until it happens you, to you. And so yeah. that's what she does is she goes through all these fucking cunts and does something to them similar or at least pres- or at least makes them think that something similar has happened to them because that's the only way that they can that these types of people yeah. are able to empathize with yeah. something brought, well and i think part of what the film is at, at least the point of view that the film is bringing across that it's not these people it's everybody it, well exactly i mean that's so it, I like the film a lot. I, I there's a lot to like there. There's a lot that it pulls off really well. Um, I I do get hung up a little bit on the shifts in tone in the film, and I'll, I'll say why. Like the film starts in a way that makes me feel like it's gonna be really really dark satire, and you know the, the opening with the is it Charlie XCX song? Yeah, the boys. boys. That song. It to these guys thrusting their pelvises in the cockies out on the dance floor. I mean, but then there's really not that many people on the dance floor, and it's kind of funny. It is right. Yeah. No, I thought, but it's like you know, it's like yeah. a darkly humorous. It's marketed as a dark comedy. I mean, I saw somebody. Th- this is sort of a tangent, and I don't want to. Break, but you know, I saw somebody hey, tangent kind of, away. <laughs> kind of t- go for a somebody who I respect very highly uh, on on social media, uh, comparing the film to Spring Breakers, and mm-hmm. I thought that was a great comparison because there were moments where it felt like it was buying into the glitzy neon of club culture and yeah but like it's not doing, as consistent though doing something dark and sinister with it you know like i said dark yeah. satire and so it brings me into that world and i feel like i'm gonna hang out there but then it shifts into mm-hmm. this more rom-com like, rom-com mode yeah. which is a subterfuge which is there to fool me and to yeah. make me you know we've talked about like you're supposed to buy into the Bo burnham character uh-huh. And it's supposed to make you start caring about Cassie in this different way or seeing her as this three-dimensional character who's who's capable of growth and change. And I think she is a three-dimensional. I think she is, but but ultimately not meant for this world, right? Not it, it, that that's been constructed by this film. She is a tool to um I don't know. I mean, it's I like the film. I'm not going to th- but there oh, was but you're something saying shifts in tone. There were was more something shifts in about tone? Yeah, because then you shift back to they, yeah, it, it back. being really dark, yeah. somewhat satirical, nihilistic. Then, this, for then a the moment. satire lifts to a point where it's really just kind of this like bold, you know, bald faced nihilism yeah. That, yeah. that's going on. Yeah. And then it kind of shifts to this kind of, you know, I don't want to. Hitchcockian or Shyamalanian uh, plot twist kind of thing that yeah. goes on at the end to kind of deliver the With final a Shawshank Redemption thrown in. Uh, where, yeah, yeah, he delivers the the all the documents Bo- to the post office. Okay, after Ryan gets the email. Yeah, that. I would have preferred you not bringing up Darabont in this, but it, I, we, we can you know <laughs> this. I think this movie would have fallen flat on its face without that last twist at the end. Because if I had left watching this movie knowing that these people got away with got all away it. with it and just continue got to continue going on living yeah. their happy lives having destroyed the lives yeah. of these no, two people and to... their families i would have been so fucking distraught and so angry yeah because when i was like when it happens i'm like are you fucking serious like and kylie and i are looking at each other like something's gotta happen right like they right. can't end this way you know and i 
to a certain extent, I mean, I understand that there is value and that there is merit in like turning tropes on their heads and like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of subverting audience expectations and stuff like that. But with a movie with a subject matter that is this visceral and is this like emotionally charged or whatever, like there's you have to allow the audience some release after putting them through all of this. And to speak to your point about the tone, I loved that Mm. about this movie. Like I, when, when that part is happening, I'm like, Oh man, this movie has kind of gone from this really dark, you know, almost nihilistic kind of dark comedy satire to like, now it's got some real heart to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got some joy to it. It's got some like optimism but then <laughs> as soon as, you know, when they're in bed and they both exchange the I love you, yeah. <laughs> at that point, it took that joy and it took that optimism and it took that kind of cheeriness, just that one step too far uh-huh. that makes you uncomfortable. At least it made me uncomfortable. Because yeah. at that point I was like, nope, this and is... And you also know you have 45 minutes I was going to say, well, what, what told me was the running time. Yeah. What told me was, I know I have at least a third of this film left to go and there's no yeah. way that's going to be them wedding planning. Uh, no, it wouldn't be them wedding planning. <laughs> yeah. But Al's the best man. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> but, but but I mean, but I think you're not think, going to Vegas on this bachelor party trip, are you? And then it's the Hangover Part Four. Uh, ah, yes, yeah. could have been. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I think I think that there's still another direction that it could have taken, where they, you know, maybe the conflict is that she still is like set on this revenge plan at this bachelor party because we haven't gotten to right, that part. right, and you know. Maybe, you know, he shows up late to it because she doesn't tell him where she's going or whatever. And so she's there wreaking havoc on this bachelor party. And then her partner, who they are in love with each other, like shows up only to see her doing this complete because she never tells him really Mm. what she was doing. And that could be the way that it plays out. It could be like that way. Right. But because it just because it was a little too easy getting there it made me uneasy and then and so i think that it's able to maneuver through these things i think it does it pretty well but i but i I guess i don't think it does it perfectly but but i I, but i if i had the problem i had as i was watching the film was the getting invested in her character in a certain way and then having that change on me and then having it change on me again and I don't know. Like we were talking about like her being a three-dimensional character and I think I think she is over the course of the entire film, but but then there's a way that especially, you know, the in the first section of the film where we're just getting to know the character and then in the very end of the film where the character goes and what her final sort of, mm-hmm. you know, master stroke is, it, you know, it's less about her and it's more just about her writing the wrongs that have been done to so many women. You yeah. know what I mean? Which is important. And again, part of what this film is doing that I think is really powerful, but it it's a tough sort of... Um, but, it, it, but it is about her, though, because it's about how, you know, this system and this, like, you know, culture of uh, tolerated violence against women took, like the most important thing from her life, like her like lifelong best friend that they were literally going to go become doctors together. And uh, so I don't know. I think to say that it's not about her is to be a little short sighted and like what it means for it to be about a certain character, because it very much is about her. 
I, I can agree with that. I guess what I would say is that there's a difference between it being about her and what she represents culturally and her and as a individual character with thoughts, feelings, desires, hopes. And I think there's there's parts of both in, in, in each sort of sequence, but it's just there are times where it gets so split that it feels very like, is this the same character that I cared about three scenes ago when she was in that bed with Bo Burnham? Yeah. Is this the same character? And, it, Let me tell and you I guess it is, but movie. that's a position that we're forcing females to exist in. So I think, you know, it's it's appropriate that I'm feeling that kind of herky-jerkiness. Here's how you fix the movie. Remove Bo Burnham. Remove him from the script. Remove him the character. Get rid of the whole thing. You think so? And set the whole thing up as the revenge no. action movie that it is in the third act. Let me just... Let me just that it. makes it a... B-rate Tarantino movie. No, I don't think that it does. <laughs> and, all, and also, and here's if this why. was a Tarantino movie, it would be terrible. First of all, we decided that we were not going to pick a movie until those Golden Globe, uh, Golden Globe nominations came out. I'm okay and with Golden will, Globs, though. The Golden Globs. <laughs> yeah. They came out on Sunday, right? Oh, it was during the week last okay. week. Yeah. And then we really? decided we would try to watch one of these best picture choices right? if they're available streaming. And this one was. So yeah. this was a $20 nut, this guy. Uh and I'm glad it was money well spent. You should see this movie. Yeah, it was it was worth the premium. The rental. first act. First of all, David, you said it perfectly. The tonal shifts are disruptive, and boy, are they. The first act I like. The third act, which we haven't talked about in depth, I love. Yeah, I, I love it. I love the twist at the end. I love the text. I love the whole thing. Yeah. Now, my theory of removing Bo, Bo, removing Bo Burnham is troublesome because he has to receive that text. We can write, we can write that out. That's no problem. Yeah. The second act, or I'm going to call the romantic comedy act, is garbage and ruins this movie. Huh. The dancing through the pharmacy while they sing and all of that nonsense. It's either supposed to fit the film's total tone of way out there satire or it's completely misplaced. And I'm, well, go, I'm I, going I, now, I, now, very strongly now you're, disagree. For, you're forcing me into a position where I think I'm going to have to defend it. Where I, because I, mean, I, I don't think I can defend I don't it think, if you'd like and you don't want to have to go there. Y'all can well, tag team. Here's what I say and then you can add on. And yeah, you may yeah. have a, for, a more him. full-throated... Slap, slap <laughs> his hand so he can tag team him <laughs> but, onto me. So where I don't think we could totally do away with the Bo Burnham sequence, like the if we're thinking of that as act two, which I think is appropriate, that, you know, that... That section of the film where she is starting to have this interest in him, starting to drop her guard, become more interested in having a traditional kind of romantic relationship, becomes more conversant with her parents. You know, we see early in the film, there's this, you you know, like to see her kind of come so close to coming back to what we would think of as normalcy, just to be confronted with the fact that, oh, but anything you do in this world is going to be tainted by this kind of toxic masculinity that just totally you're well, swimming she's not in. She's going to escape her requirement for justice. R- well, it's like you. It's not about that. You can't. You exist. Oh, you exist. You exist in a world that is so permeated with toxic masculinity. There is no getting out of it. So you can think you're going to have your little fairy tale romance. But it's not going to happen. And so that snaps right. So, I mean, that, I think, works narratively. Then he's just horribly, horribly, horribly miscast. I that, disagree as well. Uh, I know. Yeah, you, the, I, mean, add, I, add, I add, love add. that country music. Oh, yeah, you're, <laughs> right, you're going to slap me. Go ahead. No, I I think that he's perfectly cast because you can, you can buy that he is this nice guy. You can buy that he is, like, someone who, like, 
you know, genuinely cares about her and, you know, genuinely wants to, like, develop their relationship in a way that she's comfortable with and, like, you know, kind of meet her in the middle as far as, like, you know, how fast do you want to move? You know, like, yeah. he's, he, he can sell the role of the concerned nice guy. He needs to be a guy that breaks all of these notions right. for the hundreds, if we're going to, to believe the tick marks, of men that have attempted to violate her. Sure, sure, but but I think but I think the reason that his casting is so important, and the reason that there are not a ton of people that you could put in this role, is because what it's telling you is that even the most nice and well intentioned of men in the world are still capable of this kind of even violence. if their sin is not the act, but the. Uh, uh, because well, of being complicit, the act from is, you're it complicit. Is, you've covered for other people. It is you've just you've as laughed bad. at other yeah. people. There you, is that's the other bad part of this movie is how clear his voice is. Like he's standing right next to the video camera, and oh, that's Ryan. There's Ryan. I just I, I the whole characters bug the shit out of me. Oh well, that's a fucking stupid thing to get hung up on because that serves <laughs> oh, the Carlos. Let's go back. On, let's up, let me pull some tape. That 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 serves the narrative and like it serves the narrative, but point. it's so on the nose. Yeah. Hey, it's me, Ryan. I'm standing right next to you, cameraman. Here are some lines <laughs> that I need to say that everyone can hear that Wait. make me the bad guy in this thing. Would, ha ha ha. Oh, okay. We shouldn't on, be doing on. that. Would, no, he, he doesn't he say sucked. that though. He doesn't I, say we shouldn't be doing that. I'm trying well, to be comedic, but, but anyone that sees the film knows that I'm that I, I'm summarizing generally the point that he's trying to make. But Ryan's going to come in and stop it. Ryan doesn't stop it. Now it's time well, to no break one, up with Ryan. I don't think anybody that would hear his voice in that hear anybody's voice in that it's video. Too convenient. That's, I don't think anybody that would hear his voice in that video would for one second think, oh, this guy's here to stop it. It's like you are be- you are recorded being in the room while this is taking place. Yeah. If it has gotten to the point where that video is being recorded and you haven't stopped it, there's no semblance. There's no possible world in which he's coming in to, to stop it. Also, I think it's a dumb thing to get hung up on that his voice is so prominent because what do you what what would you rather like be sitting there like scratching your head watching this movie going now they could have done mm, that cinematically that? five different ways. But, but but they didn't want to show it. They either. didn't want to show so it. Which yeah. see, I agree that that is the best way to go I, about I, I it think because it there are very could have been done better. It's, could have been done better. I, I I maybe, think, but I think but that I, it's, small hold point, on, hold small on. Point. I think that it, you you got to defend this a little bit. I sure. think that it's possible that it could have been done better, sure. But I think the idea that Bo Burnham is miscast and that the ro- whole entire rom com scene is unnecessary or shouldn't exist is crazy and asinine because that's the whole thing that makes this movie tick. Like the thing, like it's easy, and it has been done before to see a film that depicts rape in a negative light to see a rape revenge film in which someone is in black and white done something terrible upon mm-hmm. and then to see that person or somebody else on their behalf go back and right the wrong that's been done right. what this movie does is it presents the reality of the way that rape culture and toxic masculinity exist in the world and that morally it is absolutely no different to be the person committing the act or to be the person allowing the act to take place if you witness it happen if like you were in the room while this is happening and you say nothing you are just as bad as the person actively committing the act and the fact that somebody who on the surface and who i do believe and i think the thing that about bo burnham's character that like works 
is that I think that he genuinely did care about her. His character cares mm-hmm. about her. His character wants the best for her. His character wants to connect with her. But at the end of the day, he has still been corrupted by this culture of masculinity that values and allows and encourages certain things. Mm-hmm. So if you take that second act out of this movie, what you have is a shallow, vapid, two-dimensional thriller that amounts to nothing at the end of it. First first of all, and this is my quick rebuttal because we don't need to get bobbed down on the fact that I'm right. Um, First of all, don't take my criticism of Bo Burnham as any kind of indictment on the social messaging of this film and this has been an interesting year for social messaging we had a similar conversation about and i'm not going to get the title right because i don't have it written down in front of me never rarely sometimes always you got it i got it close yeah, yeah. i got it no that was it the idea that we're even discussing these important issues and that film can be a medium where important issues are discussed I'm probably not going to argue too hard with you. You're, you're absolutely right. There, there needs to be an arc where she ha- feels redeemed, where she feels the requirement to get back into society because even the mother of Nina, horribly miscast, uh, Molly Shannon, says I don't think she was in it long enough to have there's that criticism. Molly Shannon. Level, there's Molly Shannon. There's Molly Shannon. I'll, there That's, is one person miscast though who I'll get to in, at the end of this. Um, uh, Oh, I got, I got, I got, I got distracted by Molly Shannon. Uh, it often happens. Every time Molly Shannon. <laughs> often happens. Um, the, the when even the mother says it move is on. time for you to move on. Yeah. And I, now here's a man, not that I require a man to move on with, but here I can see redemption in the male race with this super, super, super nice guy. There is a lot of value in that. Um, that pharmacy dancing through the scene, the thing while we lip sync. I'm sorry. That's like just not them. real. That's just that's just that's just, and, and neither are many aspects of the movie. And I know we've gone so long on the movie, and David hadn't talked in a while. But I want to talk about the intensity of that final scene. I want to talk about that. Uh, we can talk about that, and to segue into that, the only I tried David, but Carlos is the only me. miscasting in this film is Max Greenfield because he's essentially playing a less redeemable version of his character Schmidt from New Girl. Uh, but that final scene is very intense. I mean, he fucking murders her, mm-hmm. and well, it, well, no, 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 no. She goes in purposefully with a plan to drug the entire fraternity or yes. fraternity brother well, at the bachelor party, so that she can, so that she can handcuff him to the bed and carve Nina's name into his chest, and has a surgical kit to do. I mean, yeah, I, this was intense. That was intense. But I'm, but I'm saying he then murders her, yeah. and it happens very One might call slowly. Self defense. Uh, I mean. I th- there's a fine line, I, I think, but... Um, you said earlier the film's not about justice. One might call that self-defense. Did I say the film wasn't about justice? I said the all? idea that she was hell-bent for the justice of her of, of Nina's ultimate situation. Uh, sure, uh, but I... Well, I, that I, I'm trying not to go on another tangent and get right. bogged down in something, because you opened a can of worms with that. I did. The final um, scene was intense. But I'm saying that him murdering her, yeah. that scene specifically is very intense because of how yeah. long it lasts. It is a one long-ass shot. Yeah. It's crazy. It's not just a long shot, is it? It's not a long take. It's one I, long take, and her arm is flailing and starting to... A, a lot well, of oh, the, the actual him with the knee with, on that, not the, the actual entire scene. No, no, okay, the actual okay, yeah, that's, yeah. I was like, that scene wasn't all right. Where, where okay. it changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. No, it's a brutal it's a brutal scene, and, and, and shocking, and where you think it's going to build to a scene where she's going to finally exact this revenge, and that it seems to flip, and he's able to 
gain the upper hand and actually kill her, but you have to sit through the lengthy process in of almost him real time suffocating her yeah. and her thrashing around. I mean, it, it's brutal. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's I unexpected. Mean, it, it's it's it, like I said. The, to, to me, the, there's something in the way that the that we shift tone, especially in terms of how we develop the character. That was a little bit um, was a little bit less a little bit less well pulled off than I wanted it to be. But I'm nowhere near the level where you are, Joe. I mean, you you seem to have taken some kind of cuckoo pills. To think that this <laughs> well, film. I, think, I, I mean, the, I don't know. I mean, I think th- the third act of this film might appear on my top five films of the year list. I, but I just don't think the film. I mean, I'm not maybe quite as strongly uh, opinionated here about it as Carlos is. I don't. I don't know that. Like, I could see. You know, I've seen films. Ms. Forty Five. I've seen. I've seen yeah. films about rape, revenge mm-hmm. that have been much more through line characters wronged or somebody close to the character is wrong the character pursues mm-hmm. getting revenge throughout the film and then at the end of the film we see them meet the big boss and they kill him and it's over right, right? like that is the type of film that we can do this film seems interested in doing something different and i think i want it to be able to do something different and i'm glad that it tried that and i think it's i mean in the in the largest sense successful i just with Carlos coming out about it being glowing. So I want to make it clear that I am Carlos very is much... in love with Bo Burnham. Wait till I get to Shia LaBeouf I am very later. much... And I don't have a problem with Bo Burnham. I, I mean, I don't think he's... I wouldn't cast him in everything, everything, no. but I think he's fine in this. I think he works really well for the reasons that Carlos is pointing out. That yeah. I think that you needed somebody who is like sort of bland and soft and gentle enough that you would believe, oh, he's the nicest guy there is. How could there possibly be a problem? Oh, wait. Even he didn't stop this terrible thing from happening when he could have. And, and even he's more invested in protecting himself his own, than right, it, right. even admitting it fault in any way, shape, right. or I mean, him and the other guy so go the, to the end. So in the, first, in the first act, she, uh, I, I described it earlier, she opens up her book and mm-hmm. you see names. And David, you referenced that Carlos's name was on uh-huh. the list. Mm-hmm. So I rewound it, I screenshotted it, mm-hmm. and I sent it to y'all, and I said, Carlos, uh-oh. I yeah. had no idea what that was from at first because I hadn't watched the film okay. yet. And, <laughs> then, and then I saw it, and I was like, oh. You get to the third act, and the worst man in the world ever is Joe. So, you know, whatever you did, I try, I killed her and burned her body. You didn't kill her, you did burn her body, though. Well, that's right. Yeah. You you aided in the disposal of a body. Yeah. And I really... I that, mean, that was just intense. That, I that think scene was awesome. The third act is crazy. Yeah. I would be remiss to not mention Laverne Cox. She's not in it for very long. No. But I love when she is. I thought that, like... Well, they kind of had to keep her it, that small scale because she's part of the twist at the end, and, and I think you don't see it coming as much because you don't... Because she's the one who's able to like send off these things. No, and... the lawyer did. The lawyer did. Really? Yeah. What, what was the... She mails she, it to the okay, lawyer. The Alfred Molina, the she attorney. She finds like the necklace in the drawer, cash oh, drawer, yeah. which inexplicably, I mean, I am not the most like diligent business owner. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
but I look under the cash drawer more often than once every two months or whatever. Like she would have found that yeah. huh. so much sooner. And uh, it, that Mal- is a very Alfred Molina got a package right. with the phone in it okay. and instructions to release it okay. to the media in the case of her disappearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I mean, okay. I would have liked it to have been Gail. Yeah, but, but I think that she's very. She's, I think she's okay. very good on screen, and I really like her yeah. rapport. This is a really good movie. I think I said earlier. Carrie Mulligan with uh, with Cassie. I think they have a funny, a fun little thing going on. Yeah. She's um, able to draw that character out. But ooh, anybody but Max Greenfield in this movie. Huh. Yeah, plays, see, who I, plays I have, Joe? I, I don't watch New Girl, so I, I have no Schmidt, baggage. Schmidt might be the only Republican that I can really care about uh, in general. I mean, hmm. uh, I thought he I did a love, great job, but I, I watched New Girl. I love his character in that no. show. Hold on, I'm going to fight you. But he is... But he is doing Schmidt like down to the like scene at the wedding where he sees the cops coming and he goes and he, like I mean that's huh. te- like all it's all of Schmidt's physical physicality and mannerisms and stuff and so I, I was just kind of disappointed that he was doing like a greatest hits kind of performance from like the one thing that people really know him for mm-hmm. so um, call as you say but, that character's miscast I'm just gonna let it go I mean, if you want to, if you want to really take me to task over a character that's in the movie for a five cumulative minutes, <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, this has been a more divisive film than I than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I thought my I thought I was going to have to be like, oh, I have a little problem with the tone, and you guys are going to be like, no, this is a great film. I'm surprised that Joe is so far on the wrong side oh. of history with this. While one. at the no. same time saying that it's a good movie, <laughs> people that see it are going to be the light bulb is going to go off over their head when they, you know he's right. I, I, that guy was horrible. I, I, and dis- I like him. <laughs> I disagree with you. It's great. Watch it. But I think that, if, at least from you know the what has been said about it in the press, I think we are a microcosm of what the rest of the world is feeling about this movie because it does seem to be fairly divisive. Uh, it does seem to be getting well mixed. generally praised, but but the thing that's misleading about Rotten Tomatoes is that like a three star counts as positive mm. and yeah. towards the 91%. And so I think there's a, uh, you know, I mean, well, I, I'm looking at it right now and the, I mean, well, average rating eight out of 10. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, there, there's a version of a three, 3.5 star review that has some of these things that we're talking about, but yeah. still like, there are some people that straight up don't like it too. Oh, when I'm it comes sure there to are. The, when it comes to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, this is one of the top five <laughs> dramatic films yeah. of the year. Yeah. And I think we're going to talk about that in After Hours on purpose, right? Uh, yeah, I think we're, yeah, Patreon. Yeah. yeah. And then Patreon.com slash Beer and Movie Podcast. And then later this week, we might... We might release it to the public. You might, as a, as a treat. The <laughs> Golden Globes are too big not to let people hear our thoughts. Uh, yes, people are, are clamoring for are our are thoughts. Um, yeah. Now, speaking of our thoughts, this beer sucks. <laughs> I don't know about sucks, sucks but <laughs> it's, it's not man, you I, and your I binary have... rating system. <laughs> You're right. Yes, we've talked about this. It's um, awesome or it sucks. It's no. an e- it's a weird one. <laughs> it is um, it is odd, I'll give you that. There is I don't like it. something on the front end of it that's like a little bit metallic and kind of uh It's infected. You think it's infected? Yeah. I think it's straight it, up infected. It is straight up like sour, but it's billed as a pastry, a pastry dark, ale. dark ale. It is not yeah. supposed to taste like this. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, you might be right. Something God is off. It, I didn't want him to be right once tonight. I think he might I've be been right, right the about whole time this, because when you re-describe <laughs> the beer to me, I'm not drinking a pastry dark, dark ale. No. Fuck no, you're not. It's super carbonated uh, uh, and it's sour. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's unfortunate. Um, love the label art. Like love the concept. The label love the concept. Love the idea it, of a pastry dark ale. Is it weird that you and I were about to go to bat th- for with the idea that an infected beer doesn't <laughs> suck? I wasn't going to say it didn't suck. I was going to say there was something off with it. I said that the, I was huh. getting a weird flavor and that I didn't know if... It, I wasn't going to say it straight up was bad. And I, I drank it. I mean, I finished my glass. I see you still... Well, I, fin- you I, I just... I, um, it's drinkable, but I agree. I think that based on the description given on the can and that, you know, we elaborated, I guess, looking online there uh, from from what Joe was able to read. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. It seems like a, yeah, like a mistake. We, we can't do an impromptu deep dive, but a reviewer on Beer Advocate is totally... Saying it's infected uh, yeah. as well. Seconding your opinion there. Yeah. Was not uh, was not a fan of it, and you know, Very I'm sure different. I'm sure that to our listeners, at times, I can come off as callous mm-hmm. or binary. <laughs> when and I, I think I've said this before in terms of when we discuss Ari Aster. I know I said the I said the <laughs> name, I said the forbidden name, uh, but it's because whenever I react that negatively towards something, it's because. I wanted to like it and was not able to. And it's that disappointment that leads to the strong reaction. That's fair. This, I was, I was excited. Lots of good ingredients. I was excited to drink this. It doesn't add up to what you Carlos, I'm proud of you. You you straight up called it. That was really good. I was about to say, this is a fine sour ale, but no, it's not. It's drink not a, a sour, yeah. <laughs> God, we got to wash that terrible taste of failure well, that's from it. our mouths. So, I mean, it kind of was appropriate, because here's a film that's kind of tricky, and you don't, it doesn't maybe <sighs> turn me. out to be exactly what you thought it was going to be, and that's good, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Beers may be less good when they turn don't turn out to be exactly what you thought they were going to be. I don't know. Well, but Especially when they're advertising themselves as a certain style. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's tricky. We've talked about it before. Um, we do have another movie coming up we sure do uh not that there's a lot another, of time left in this episode another, another golden movie. globe nominee another golden globe nominee um this one is being distributed by netflix uh, right it is called pieces of a woman and we will discuss that when we return All right, so we're going to get into another film, maybe one uh, which we agree on uh, slightly more than the last one. I highly doubt it, but before we get there... I just wanted to mention, I I feel remiss now that we didn't really talk about that this was the directorial debut of a filmmaker, the, the oh, film yes, in yes, the first yes. half, that I feel like we should have at least mentioned. Emerald Fennell, who is uh, more known for her acting work, in various films throughout the 2010s, uh, but also I think more recently The Crown she, uh-huh. she was on, yeah. and then she was a showrunner for something. I was not familiar with the name, I will say. But this was like her first thing that she was really, she wrote it and directed it, yeah. and any little, like I said, misgiving that I had about tonal shifts and stuff, like this was an ambitious project, and sure. she pulled it off really well, and I can't wait to see more stuff from her, so I'm really glad to get to see a new filmmaker 
get their voice out there, try something different. I just it, anyway. So so I'm, sorry, I'm, I don't usually bring the first. Uh, no, I know half but, into the second, but but oh, yeah, I am glad that you it. did that because I also at the beginning of the segment was like, oh yeah, we need to. I need to come back around to this, but uh, I totally got lost in Joe's terrible take. Um, <clears throat> but. <laughs> Carlos, you got an infected beer right, all right? Uh, You're not 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm riding a high right now. I think, I think Carlos, I'm not I think Carlos take it might be the then. MVP on this episode. I'm not going to take it away. Uh, speaking, speaking of MVPs, David Gurney, the reigning beer MVP of the podcast. I'm not going to disagree uh, with you. We'll see. I don't know. I brought us an infected beer. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> it's, um, it's all part of the journey. So, interesting. Um, so, we got one here from... It was brewed by Fair State Brewing mm-hmm. from St. Paul, Minnesota. The brewery proper is Humble Forager Brewery. Um, and so what we've got here is Sugar Shack Diaries. Sounds very sexy, very erotic. Uh, <laughs> and it's only going to get more erotic from here. This is a maple mocha stout, maple syrup, vanilla beans, cacao nibs, coffee beans. Chocolate and crystal though. malt sweetness is carefully balanced with roasted malt. A dryness, a touch of brown sugar, and Belgian candy sugar complement the layers of Wisconsin maple syrup, Ecuadorian cacao nibs, Mexican vanilla beans, and fresh roasted Mostra coffee being swirl into this delicious cup. Take an adventure with us by visiting humbleforagerbrewery.com. Mostra seems to be a very popular coffee amongst brewers. I'm just going to um, say that I'm a sucker for a beer with that many words in 12%. it. 12%. Oh. Definitely getting the maple on the nose. The cherry on the top. Did we have that uh, loaded French toast out from Untitled Art on the show? Or was that just in the privacy yes. of our own homes? Yeah. Did we do it on I the show? I think I picked that up in Austin. No, you no. did the banana. The no. banana right. you did. I got the... I got the French toast one like here. I might have done it on, on the maybe after, after hours. hours. Yeah, that one had a lot of maple on it too. I really yeah. Liked. So the, you know, this one Lots pours, pours real dark. I like the head on it. It mm-hmm. had kind of like a uh, a nice. I mean, it's it's brown and uh, but like I don't know. There there was something about the color oh, that just kind of got me there. And the nose on it, I'm I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, I just took it. I just took a swig. It's intense. It's all- <laughs> <laughs> so the movie we're talking about is a 2020. Uh, uh, dramatic film um, nominated for a Golden Globe. Uh, it is called Pieces of a Woman. Uh, it is directed by uh, someone whose name I wish I would have looked at before this exact Cornel moment. Druxo? Druxo? Druxo. Yeah, that's a tough one. Written by Kata or Kata Weber. Weber. I don't know, there's an accent on there. Um, starring um, in the co-lead role Shia LaBeouf is Sean and then as the you know I guess titular character she's the woman in question here uh Vanessa Kirby really taking a step down prestige wise from Hobbs and Shaw <laughs> and appearing in this film uh and Mission Impossible right I mean yeah, we, yeah. we've had a couple of Vanessa Kirby films in the past that uh, was she in Mission Impossible I didn't see she was, the, yeah. the, the one Mission Impossible film we did I did not see uh, oh was that one you sat out yeah, yeah. That, Tom that. Cruise uh but yeah uh, Vanessa Kirby plays Martha um a Boston couple on the verge of parenthood whose lives change uh, dramatically um, and irreversibly. What does this say? Irrevocably? That doesn't seem like the right word for this, uh, as per the synopsis. Anyway, uh, when a home birth ends in un- unimaginable tragedy, um, you can guess what that tragedy would be, given the context. Um, and Also be- another Crown alum. Yeah. Eva? 
the, Vanessa Kirby was in The Crown, as oh, was it, okay. uh, Emerald Fennel. So they ah, had just connection between these films that I just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thus begins a year-long odyssey for Martha, who, or is it, do they pronounce it Marta in the film? I don't remember. Anyway. I thought it was Martha. I think it's Martha. Anyway. Who must navigate her grief while working through uh, the fractious relationships with Sean and her domineering mother, played by... Ellen Burstein, who played, um, I recognized her from playing Jessica Chastain's aged uh, counterpart in Interstellar. Oh, yeah. And well, she, she great turn in Requ- Requiem for a yeah. Dream. Oh, that, that's that, that was, right. That was a big one for yeah. her. But Alice doesn't live here anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's. She never. She, I forgot she's, about She's Re- incredible. Re- I haven't yeah. seen Requiem in a actress. very long time. Yeah. yeah. No, she. I, I I. couldn't think of the last role I had seen her in. I was excited that that she was in a film. I mean, she's she's got to be getting up there in uh, in years here. Maybe not. As much as I think, well, eighty-eight. That's that's pretty. That's pretty up so there. birth pretty gone old. bad. The baby passes away, and we're left to pick up the pieces of the immense grief and depression that would certainly be true to any parent that right. goes through that ordeal. Yeah, right. Um, intense opening. I mean, th- very this, intense. Th- it's dry. This op- film soft opening, or right. dry opening, or however you want to. Re- yeah, refer it drops to it. you right into it. And it's a what fifteen 24. minute twenty four yeah. minute sequence. We, we it's don't very see long. the title of the film until, until almost a half an hour in. Right w- yeah. when we've seen the home birth gone awry, yeah. the baby's death. And, and let's just let's and, just yeah. let's not let's not breeze past this. It's a twenty four minute long take. I did research on it. Six. They took six takes. Four day one, two day two. They did it six times. Is one it take. all one take? They picked the fourth take. Yeah, which it they definitely said, seemed like a yeah, lot of what, tracking. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, they. Get, uh, it's supposed to be an apartment, but they used a larger home to get the camera through easily around corners and whatnot. They you give the to. actors all space, no direction. We just got to get from Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. A to B. Mm-hmm. But we want it to have these beats in it that, that, that would accurately depict twenty the 30 minutes, and David, you've been there, the 30 final minutes of the birthing process. Yeah. And tragically, the baby does not live. Yeah. So by the time we get there... What the sequence is, fifteen to twenty minutes? Because there's a little bit of, of Shia, the birth, yeah, yeah, of yeah. Shia like at that work, right, at first, right, and, yes. Uh, then they, Benny Safdie shows up, which yeah. kind of threw me a little bit. Wasn't expecting him. Yeah, uh, uh, they buy this minivan or whatever. Their her her mother buys right. it. Yeah. Um, it is a very intense opening sequence, and so intense that once it was over and the title card shows up, I was like, what the fuck? Are, what is this? And this is the opening of the film? Like, yeah. I was like, kind of like that really kind of threw me off balance jarring. a little yeah, bit. It was very, yeah. yeah, it was very jarring to just see the title card pop up after all of that. Cause that's like, I mean, that's almost like third act. I'm invested. <laughs> They're just showing me the name of the movie. That's almost third act material for a lot of films. I would say, um, at least with the intensity of it and everything. Um, but but I'll I'll just come out and say it at the very beginning of the segment that I think that I think this is a good movie, but it is a movie that is not for me. I don't think and did not do a lot for me. Huh. I did not particularly enjoy the viewing experience, and I think mm-hmm. that after the opening, it kind of dragged in a way that started to lose me a little bit. And by That's the, the and by the end of it, I was kind of like. I see what you did. I appreciate it. I think you executed it very well. Vanessa Kirby is very good in it, I would say. Sure. Um, and she's the one nominated. Yeah. And 
but they're uh, the my only actual real point of contention with it other than just maybe the it not being like again made for me is that it has this kind of instagram filter color grading to it that i really did not care Mm. for but other than that i mean you can't knock the performances in this movie you can't really knock the writing or like the way that the camera is used and like things like that and so you know that's really a that's that's most of what i have to say about it every once in a while there are these films that try to wring from us the all of the emotions from the worst things. What's the name of that Casey Affleck movie that he Manchester by the Sea? Yes, yeah. that's one of those. The worst things, and then more horrible things, and then more horrible things. So that I guess at the end of the day, we can prove that the human, or the we hope, is the audience that the human spirit can elevate amongst all of this tragedy. Um, and that's one of these films. It's, that's how I felt about it. Was that they're going to put me through all of the emotions? Because sometimes there is a class of audience that believes that that's cinema, brave, brave, good cinema. Um, there's a lot to like in this movie, uh, a lot. Uh, everything you listed, Carlos, from the performances, I, you know, I, I'm sure we'll do a little Shia LaBeouf dive here in a little while. I thought he was fucking remarkable in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was great. Because, uh, but there are sequences and pieces and parts that I could really tear apart. Hmm. I, I really like this film. Yeah. I mean, I I, I can kind of understand where Carlos is coming from. I guess that, you know, it's, it's certainly not a pleasant film. And it's not one that uh, I necessarily feel like is aimed at me personally. And, can I say that I knew that you were going to like this movie? As soon as I ended, as soon as it ended, I was like, oh, Granny's going to love this. Well, it's just, it, it to me, it's so consistent in in what it's trying to do. And I think, Joe, what you describe is right, that it, that it is a film that's like, it's putting us through the ringer. It's it's showing us this horrific tragedy that, that, uh, that this couple experiences and how that sort of has this ripple effect and it, you know, destroys their relationship. It, you know... It fans the flames that are already there in a troubled mother-daughter relationship. And I have, and, I have, I'm sorry, I have friends for which this experience demolished their relationship. Yeah, it is a pain and mm-hmm. a sorrow and a grief mm-hmm. that 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 we are happy to not understand. Yeah, right. So, so I, I mean, it's it was not at all a pleasant film to watch. It was one. It was definitely one where as soon as it was over, you know, th- this is. I, I feel like, uh, you know, Aaron turned to me and was like, Whew, "That was depressing." You know, like that. You know, it's it is that. I don't want to say it's a chore to watch, but it yeah, it is an emotionally depleting experience sure. to I, watch something like this. I think I might say it's a chore. But I don't because I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. No, but. It, but it's not a chore. Like a chore is something that somebody has to force me to do. This one is one that I'll force myself to do because I want to experience this story. And like Joe said, I'm lucky enough to not have had to experience it firsthand. Mm-hmm. It's no less painful, I don't think, having to oh, watch it. Was it was portrayed so beautifully. But um, but I'm glad that I did it. And so, and what I really like about it is where the film goes, and you know we're we're a spoiler filled po- podcast, but you know that you know it goes into a court trial. They're they're blaming the midwife, 
and for for not having acted quickly enough or more decisively to get uh you know medical help it's it, become it, a sensationalized yes uh, it becomes lawsuit a, that the it's on the news and the public it's a is media weighing story. in yeah, yeah right so you you know all that but then you know uh, uh martha has this kind of epiphany and and goes into the courtroom and just kind of says you know this is not her fault this is something that happened and and uh, it is what it is but I can't blame her and we shouldn't be blaming her. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, the, this is just something that happened. And I I thought that was, I mean, it, it left me feeling really impacted because I don't think many people, I mean, I think that if there's a false, <laughs> falseness to this story, it's that she's able to finish as clear-eyed as she does. Well, I, mean, I don't think most people reach that kind of... But you skipped over a detail. She... she a roll of film and she got the film developed and yeah. she saw a photograph okay of her no yeah there's a there's that i a, guess he took there there is a he, there he is, is taking them at a certain point there's a catalyst for the epiphany but it's an epiphany and no, i want to discuss the catalyst of the epiphany well we can but but i'm t- <laughs> carlos thank you you're welcome for the uh, title of the episode but i'm just <laughs> the saying, catalyst of the epiphany. but i'm just Writing saying that you know i love that this film brings us there and it doesn't make everything right but it shows that even in a world where somebody has been harmed so deeply and and so sort of profoundly that they're able to see, you know, I'm not going to gain anything from this by attacking and killing those others. Like this is the anti-revenge film, mm-hmm. right? If 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 uh, you know what we saw You're with Promising wrong. Young Female was a story of revenge that uh, you know sort of tries to undo some of the damage of toxic masculinity. This one doesn't give us a villain, even like a social villain, like toxic masculinity to to really feel good about cheering against, right? I mean, anyway, so so I thought this film I don't know. I mean, I there's nothing I would change about it. I think it is an excellent film. I can understand the it's not pleasant. I can understand the feeling bogged down and like when it's really the family drama and it's the relationship fraying apart and it's, you know, these those aren't like fun things that you're like, ooh, I can't wait to see where this goes. Ooh, wait. This, you know, like <laughs> Vanessa Car- Kirby doesn't kick people's asses like she does yeah. in Fast and the Furious. She doesn't. As, yeah, as, where as, she's Jason Statham's sister despite being, what, 30 years younger than her? I think that if you and I discussed <laughs> it over it. a different beer, uh, David, we'd be a little more in sync maybe okay. than I'm letting on. Does Carlos... Since Carlos is the only one here that doesn't have children... Does that matter in his interpretation of the film? I you, would. You've, I imagine, Dave. I don't. We've never talked about this before. You were in the room, I imagine, when your daughters were born. Well, actually, the the way we did it, Aaron was put into an isolation chamber. Oh, okay, and totally 100% knocked out by herself. That was right. That's very doing they DMT do that in, in an isolation that's chamber. So that's bizarre. right. In fact, she was hallucinating that she was passing a kidney stone when oh. the whole thing went down. And the kidney no, stone started I, crying. I, 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 no, I, I, no I, but we I, did. Oh, we, did our, we did ours in a hospital. Yeah, and, and, so, and so did I. Was it and, ever? Was a home birth ever entertained? I'm. I'm very. No. I, I, th- I think. No, but I would entertain it now. I, well, I believe By the way, that. I, I'm not entertaining after watching, anything. After watching well, this, I can say definitively I no, will. Yeah, but babies die in hospitals. But it was for those silly. reasons. Yeah. No, they do. But but at least then you know you have all of the resources of like right a hospital. It, it is, like, if there is a way to save this right. baby, we're going to be able to do that. Folks in the industry of home birth 
are probably very unhappy with this movie. I'm sure because the, even though it, it it does ultimately absolve the the midwife it does, in a way, but, but yes, it's a tough. I, yeah. I'm a little closer to that whole thing, and like the idea that it's presented that way is not exactly accurate. Yeah, for a device and a film. Yeah, you have to have the lawsuit. So never mind. I was going to say that could have happened in a hospital too. Yeah, but but we're not talking. No, have because the lawsuit the, in a hospital because too. they're no because they're second guessing the you decision could, that they made, and the mother can there's no hold that over her head. There's no catharsis in uh, letting a corporation off the hook like there is letting an individual who's a midwife off the hook. Oh god, you know what right. I mean? Like yeah. saying like. You know, Chris Spawn. They've got a. You had your heart in the this. right place, right. and you know, yeah. like that—that that, that wouldn't have been a yeah. cathartic kind of moment in the courtroom. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I would say that the court. See, we, we're not introduced to the courtroom part much until mm. we're in the courtroom. Except that we know that one of the ways that uh, Ben Affleck's character Ben Affleck. What did I just do? <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. Thank you. Yeah. Because I thought uh, I said Casey Affleck earlier. Um, uh, Shia LaBeouf's character is is coping with grief, is resorting to some of his own vices, and one of those. Well, it's not. This is not a vice, but in addition to that, he's having sex with the attorney on the case, which happens to be the cousin. When you get into that, he does man, relapse though. Yeah, no, he's doing coke, he's drinking, yeah. he's doing it all. Because uh, he had been a six years sober, uh, he had six been six years half, sober. Yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot where I was going. I'll be honest with you. Okay. 9%, 12. I'll be honest with you. I forgot where I was going. Oh, I was going to say um, that the 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 catalyst here yeah. is that photograph. Right. And I don't know if I believe the catalyst. I, I don't know if I believe it. That she's seeing a photograph of that few that the few moments that she spent with the baby. Right. That the the problem she was having with her mother we should probably mention that great showdown scene when they go to her mom's yeah, house yeah. and the, the, that who who wants what for who and what are the motives right. that was a compelling fantastic well written well delivered scene yeah uh, carlos you agree with that like cuz some good tension and drama from time to time yeah okay and i mean then, her calling out her daughter for having had a home birth and and basically saying right. she's responsible so for this so she's at war yeah. with her husband or partner, she's at war with her mom. That's a horrible war to be in. Mm-hmm. She's at war with her, um, uh, the, the the lawsuit. Yeah, and by seeing a picture of her child for the scant moments that it was alive, yeah, triggers her to, I guess, begin doing the right, like begin coming back to, yeah, a functional, you know, functional. Yeah, or not seeing that. Well, no, this lawsuit that is justice, bullshit. Right, and not not seeing the lawsuit yeah. she was part of as being justice. Yeah. I, but the lawsuit was not a big part of the film, so that kind of came on as no, a but it convenient was, it, moment for her to emote. It was the culmination of what the mother... I mean, the mother, Ellen Burstyn's character, wanted that. That was her... Her vision was... You know, if if something is done wrong, you make it right by yeah. you know, like getting all the money you can out of it. Right. And there's you a know, compensation yeah. available to help you ease the pain. Right, and and so that was you know justice on her mother's terms. And I think finally in that moment, she kind of saw like, no, what I, what I had was a birth. I had this wonderful moment with this little creature that I had brought into the world, yeah. and sadly for reasons well beyond. Anybody in that room's control, it seems like. She, the baby left that. us. And that that is just a, a tragedy of life. But not, this woman didn't cause the baby to right. die, didn't yeah. yeah. I mean, at least in in her moment there. And and even as you see in the sequence, I mean that's 
it's it's fascinating. Like I said, I don't. We didn't choose to do a home birth. I don't feel like you know this certainly wouldn't encourage me to want to. I don't think that those who do. I have plenty of friends who have done that and, and done fine with it. And, yeah. and and I don't know anybody who's had this kind of tragedy. Yeah. But it was honestly, it was this kind of tragedy that made not that we knew anybody directly that made us think now that isn't probably a path we want to go down. We like let's just be safe and and right. as we can as safe as we can be and do and do it that way oh no, there's no wrong decision yeah you don't want to begrudge people the, the ability to do that but but also i do think if you know and the film doesn't really explore this that much although i guess it's implied like if you do make that choice then you kind of have to accept that if something was to happen you don't get that immediate you know you couldn't get right. them on help to, is a 911 call away but that takes but a while. that takes 20 yeah. minutes you know yeah. like so I, I anyway the, did you know this was a play first no it exactly. was was it Ex- no it was but exactly you didn't know oh cinematically it good was on, adapted in good a good on way. them i did not know that either yeah. that is a good adaptation the uh directing partners this happened to them and then they followed the case of i uh, 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 the context of this film and the background of this film was fascinating to me. Hmm. What an interesting topic. And um, I mean, I, I would totally recommend I, the I film. Knew, I knew the director and screenwriter yeah. are partners. Right. And, they and did they've a play. done several films together. They but adapted I, they, their own this play. This was a play that this, they did yeah. first. Oh, cool. And then, um, I forgot what I was going to say again. You were talking about the adaptation of it, that it was a play first. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. That, that is interesting. I did not know that. And, I, you know, I will say that I... I think due to my reaction uh, to this film, when it was over, it was over. I went to bed and I was like, you know what? I saw it. I'm spent. I have my thoughts that I can express on the podcast. I think that's all I need. All right. I did not feel compelled to dive any further into who made it and anything like that. Um, But again, it is good. Uh, How often do you do that though? Like constantly in that in in and of itself, you were like that was the experience, and I'm that the experience is complete. Oh, that seldom. Yeah. I always want to know things, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like which this. makes me a very annoying person to talk to because we can't just tell say, me about it. <laughs> we can't just, <laughs> we can't just talk about the movie. I have to be like, oh yeah, well, so and so directed yeah. that, and did you know that they he was this? a new girl, and did you know that you know? We should just uh, go back and forth. David. Yeah, <laughs> we should just go back and forth. <laughs> and do you know that the character of Chris was played by Benny Safdie, who made Uncut Gems? And yeah, perhaps you weren't expecting him, and and who co-starred alongside Robert Pattinson in Good Time, who was going to be your next Batman. Batman. <laughs> Speaking of Batman, right. did... <laughs> well, there you go. So, so that 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 says something. Well, this, you know, again, I I think that this is, uh, it's a challenging film. It's one that you is can say not, that again. Not going to. Yeah. Um, it's not any. You know, earlier in this episode, I started out saying that we picked two confections for people, right? The two bonbons for people to pop. Nah, back. These were no, these are quite both the opposite. This was really jerky. Now, now I do think. You know, looking you back retrospectively, <laughs> Promising Young Woman is a little bit more inviting and entertaining, even though it kind of uses that it's certainly to more entertaining. get you back. I mean, like, because yeah. it does, as we were talking about, it falls into certain kind of cinematic tropes, but then it kind of upends a lot of the ones that it falls into. This one doesn't really play that game. It really is just a tragic melodrama. You're going to see it play out over the course of two hours, and... Yes, there is kind of light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a very 
soft light and yeah. and one that doesn't fix and, everything. And, and the footnote here is going to be that 24 minute one shot scene in Act One that sets the film up, which is really well done. Which and is Molly worth Parker seeing is the midwife, a, really good. Yeah, from know. a cinema yeah. file point of view, it's it's worth watching that. And I think that it's going to hook you in to see where these characters go. I really do. It's, Even if Carlos is, you know, young. <laughs> it's like it's like the difference between listening to Dua Lipa and like Susan Gianni. Like one is yeah. challenging and you have to sit well, with it. Okay. And, and, we, the, we can, and the other that, one is just like, that's hit, another hit, podcast. Hit, that's another hit, podcast. You know? So I, you know, I, <laughs> and, and look, I mean, I, I have been getting, I've been doing some diving into, not that Susan Chani necessarily fits this bill, but like into the ambient music world mm-hmm. into, you know, even some field recordings and things like that. And like, that's not for everybody. I'm not going to go up to any Joe Schmo in the shop and be like, Hey, you should listen to deep listening right, or whatever, right. you know, like, or, or you need to put on metal machine music tonight. Yeah. These, yeah. These are, he's pull, he's going to pull out a copy. Eddie, <laughs> he's getting up off. Now he took his headphones off. Uh, that wasn't a threat. That what or, or challenge? I shouldn't say. Yeah, I'm curious to but, see what he's going to pull out. Yeah. Anyhow, I hear what you're saying. Behind the scenes. I mean, there there are definitely comparisons we could make in other uh, other arenas of art, but but I think I had high expectations for both of these films, David, because of this whole Golden Globe conversation that we had had. We're going to watch some of the best performance. I understand now why. The Golden Globe that this film received was for the acting. That, yeah, uh, because that th- correct. Yeah, is this film gonna show up in my top five list when we do that in a few weeks of the two thousand twenty? I don't think so. But it's definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely worth seeing. It's it's a praiseworthy performance. Without a doubt. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if this will make my year end list either, but. I'm really glad that I saw it, and I think that really anybody with a Netflix subscription who's listening sure. to this right now, sure. there, there's oh, absolutely no... That, yeah. Like, don't rush and go watch it. Wait until you're in the right mindset right. and and take it in for what it is. But... My top five is set. Wow. For I'm, 2020. No. Yeah. No, but there's still a couple heavy hitters got that a, we need to see. We've got an see. idea so, of yeah, okay. a couple yeah, heavy yeah, hitters, yeah. but and it could be adjusted. But if we did our year end right now, I'm done. I'm ready. Good for you. I I'm still in flux, and I feel like there's a couple that I really need to see before I. Do you put... remember last year's? How at the end of it, it was like unanimous parasite. Yeah, I think that this year when we do this show and we go through our top mm-hmm. five and guess and begin speculating after your five and four and three have been revealed, what your two and one are. <laughs> oh, can you sit the fuck down? <laughs> I am so tired of vamping for you. Just, just to know, just so you know, listeners, uh, he has pulled out his vinyl copy of Metal Machine. But to finish my thought, I think that the COVID, the year of COVID, two thousand twenty, this top five, when we reveal our top five films of the year, Mm -hmm. is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. So this one on my top five that I think both of y'all aren't going to expect at least one. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted would never expected it. Speaking of facing the music, cuties, <laughs> metal machine. I, you know, I I got up as a bit, but then I couldn't find it, and it began and to now bother me, and so yeah, I really right. had to go. So you found it. it. Sounds Good. like it's time to organize. So we, you know, I think we all saw value in the film, even if we didn't all love the film necessarily. It's a tough film to love. Um, did we find some value in this beer? Did we find some love in this beer, especially after our first half with one of the more disappointing beers? That did we've we had wash in a while? the terrible taste of failure yes. from our mouth? I did. 
You bet your sweet ass I did. <laughs> this is robust and chewy. There's so much going on in this glass. And after that first thing, they didn't know what it wanted to be and tried to change during delivery. This one, incredible. Yeah, th- this is a this is a big bad stout with all that maple and I mean it's they threw in every single adjunct. the sugar oh it's just everything with the kitchen sink um, I think if any one who you know actually I maybe have not talked about it on the podcast at great length but I feel like if you know me personally out in the real world you know that I love pancakes and that I make a very good pancake. And so Wait, I, was that with Leslie? No, no she was waffles. Okay, Leslie Nope is waffles. waffles. Yeah, your pancakes. Do okay. not. Would Kylie be the some... camera person for you making a pancake for all of our social media feeds? <laughs> it can be done. I make them often. Um, do you go from scratch or do you use a uh, pre? Uh, he has to mix. hold on. Don't answer. He has to go from scratch if the best. Pan, if he's a really good pancake maker, he's not pouring three quarter cup of water in a bisquick and then making that. Well, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I make from scratch. All right. Um, okay, although good. I do, uh, you will often in my cabinet find HEB buttermilk pan, instant pancake mix. Yeah. Um, that's just for like midnight and stuff. Uh, yeah. Ju- for when I'm really, I don't want to do the work. When you just need to mainline it, you just, <laughs> <laughs> I snort it. Um, he mixes it in with a beer like this yeah, and it says, right. <laughs> tr- I mean, I added an adjunct. Truly. I, 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 very sincerely am saying this that I have it to reduce dishes. Okay. Well, there you go. Because there yeah, are, yeah. are definitely times where I'm like, I want to eat this. But I, I don't want to go through. the least amount of cleanup possible. This is one bowl and one pan and a plate and a measuring cup. Um, Spatula? I'm Mexican. I flip them with my hand. <laughs> there you go. Fuck, took the title away from me. Uh, I did. I'm Mexican, Mexican I flip it with my hands. Uh, no, that's just tortillas. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would love to see someone flip a pancake with their bare I'm, I'm definitely, uh, but maybe that makes me an honorary Mexican. I'm definitely a hand flipper if I can tortillas? get away with it. Oh, totally. With anything. Yeah. With anything. Like I'm, if I'm if, omelet, whatever. If you're flipping tortillas <laughs> with a spatula, we'll get the fuck out of my yeah, house. Yeah, no, no, not omelets. Not omelet. <laughs> Get out! Uh, yeah, can't be doing that kind of shit. Um, yeah. Oh, hold on, you like Bo- so ba- you back, like Bo Burnham? Come back. Back to the pancakes. <laughs> you love pancakes. I love pancakes, and uh, and a, a beer that has any kind of maple flavor in it usually gives me some kind of pancake vibe. I mean, this doesn't taste like. I mean, you know, uh, and maybe members of this podcast know one of my most sought after beers is the Great Notion Double Stack. Yeah. Still have yet to obtain. Hmm. I've got. I got the swamp stack. I wonder if anybody in oh, Wyoming right. is listening. That's uh, Oregon. They could send it. Nope. Um, last state sending. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but right. yeah. So you liked I, it? I, I liked it. I mean, I think that obviously that maple is like super, super prominent up mm-hmm. front, and that's why I talk about the pancakes. Um, and also the vanilla. I mean, I, I mean, I, I I use vanilla extract in my pancake batter. Who wouldn't? Um, but uh, I will say, though, that I don't know. Do I want more coffee? I'm not sure. It's definitely not super pronounced in this beer. But, like, if you had another flavor really punching through, it would probably get to be way too much. So I don't know. I'm very I know. satisfied. I think it's. I do think it's great. 
Yeah. Top five. <laughs> Top five beers. You know, uh, of the beers that we've had in 2020, it is probably in my top five. Maybe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Why would I want to look? Well, it's just, yeah. Anyway. I know we, yeah. No, no. Try no, to no, act no. like 2020 didn't happen and we're still getting, right. We would right. like to get a do over, but. But, uh, you know, ha- having this one, it is. It's right up there. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I love the name, the Sugar Shack, because I so infrequently hear this term down here where we live, where there are no maple trees that are producing this. But up in New England, where I where I spent my youth, Mm -hmm. Sugar Shacks are a thing. Like this is there are places out, you know, in the woods where people are tapping the trees to get the sap to boil it down. There are things that occur that we put into our diaries. Yeah. Fair enough. The diary part, I don't know. I mean, I'm I guessing... I know what you wrote in your diary last summer, <laughs> question mark? Maybe. But uh, but it does make me uh, pine, pine for that time of year, which will be coming up here in a couple months, where people will be tapping those trees and getting that He's pining syrup. for it. He's yeah. smart. Well, mapling for... I, I, that doesn't work, so pining for the maple. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well... It has been um, not the lightest episode. Uh, not at all. Film or beer wise, uh, but a good one nonetheless, I would say. Um, After Hours is going to be light AF. Yes, it will. I probably, I think, maybe, possibly. Uh, there's only one way to find out, and that's to head over to patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast. You can become uh, a patron, a subscriber. Uh, you will get, for $5 a month, you will get a bonus episode every single week. Uh, to go along with the free episode that shows up on our main feed. You can donate less if you'd like, but you will not get that bonus content. And if you really, really got it like that, you can uh, donate more just to, you know, flex on us. Um, But have you seen Promising Young Woman? Have you seen Pieces of a Woman? Um, I actually have been encouraging people to not fret at the $20 price tag of Promising Young Woman, that it is worth the price of admission, hoping that they will uh, see it sooner than later. Um, and have you had any of these beers? How, do you notice when your beer is infected, or do you try to, or do you try to rationalize it like they were just doing something a little out there and wacky with it? That, didn't uh, <laughs> that did not happen. You can uh, tell us all of your thoughts, opinions, feelings, comments, concerns on social media: Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast.com, Bookmark it. Um, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. If somebody searches beer podcast, movie podcast, we want to be popping up as high on that list as absolutely possible. And the only way to do that is for y'all to leave a rating, write a review, subscribe to the show. Uh, if you leave a written review, a proper written review for this podcast, I just may review your review on the show. Uh, so keep that in mind. And um, I think this about wraps it up for this week. So until next time. Careful next time you go out, Neil. Your novel sounds terrible, by the way. (laughs) 